Good evening, and welcome to episode 36 of the Wiffle League podcast. I am your host, Chris Lazzarini. I am joined, as always, by our stats coordinator, Josh Wittenberg. Good evening, Josh. Good evening, Laz. How you doing? Doing just fine. Also joined by our content producer and commissioner, Justin Filardo. Justin, how are you this evening? I'm great. And we are graced with the guest presence and kind of co-hosting responsibilities tonight uh, by Mr. Mike Satry. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Gang's all here. So the 2021 regular season is over after an array of chaos at the end of the season with a whole bunch of different scenarios that could have played out. We ended up with the Lugnuts at top of the leaderboard at six and three, followed by three teams at four and five, the Blue Rocks, the Captains, and the Storm Chasers. So we will just take a look back at this season, talk about some of the highs and lows before previewing the semifinals coming up on this Sunday, and all in preparation for Wiffle Series 17, still to be scheduled in the future. So... Uh, let's start with the team that is best represented here by Justin and Mike and the leader of the regular season, the Lugnuts. Mike, as you went into the season, how did you think your team was going to fare and how did it compare to what they act, what you all actually did as you look back at your, your nine games this season? Great question, Chris. Um, I, I would say it kind of turned out the way I thought from a, from our team's perspective, I think we were pretty happy with the way our team turned out. We were a pretty balanced team. Um, you know, we knew we were going to have some tough competition. I think mainly from um, your team, and I apologize, I, f I forgot the name of your team already. That's okay. Um, but I don't think I thought it would be as a as competitive as a season as it was. I mean. You know, we could have easily finished in last place. And that's kind of crazy to think that, you know, we ended up winning it, but we were, you know, a couple games from from basically being in last. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, is that not... more true for than the Storm Chasers who got out to an early lead this year, winning the first two series and then ending up as the four seed. So parity was definitely the lesson. And I think we all agree that after the draft, we didn't think that was going to be the case. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Is this, I mean, Justin or Josh, is this, would you say this was the most even season that we've ever had? I mean, I don't remember a season like this where, you know, the last place team you know, very well could easily, you know, beat, a beat the first place team this year. And we certainly never had a last place team win two of their three series. <laughs> that, that has never happened. That's, that's almost impossible to have happen. So yes, we, this we is had a year unprecedented. We had a year which almost mirrored this year, where instead of three teams tied for the second best record, we had three teams tied for the first best record, and then one team at three and six. Back in 2013, three teams were five and four, and one team was three and six. Whereas this year, one team's six and three, and two teams are four and five. So kind of the inverse of that year, um, which is kind of cool, but. Uh, yeah, the parity is a lot tighter than I would have expected right after the draft. 
especially with the difference in how these teams were constructed. So, Justin, um, can you speak a little bit about your process? So you, you, you grab Russ, you go big on – or you, you actually don't have to go big on Russ because you, you lose out on the Josh bid, and at that point with Josh and Schroeder off the board, you had money to spend and you got your man. So can you kind of speak to how the team was assembled with Russ, Dave, and Mike and how it played out this year? Was it – what? Not just going back to what you expected, but like what what can you kind of speak to to how the season? How did you get to six and three with that team? Six and three, yeah. Yeah, I felt really good after the draft, but I felt like extremely good during the draft as the process sort of was taking shape. I mean, uh, the two players I was definitely targeting were uh, Russ and Mike. I mean, that was huge for me going into the draft. Those were the two guys that. I really wanted to play with and uh it, i think it worked out great because really i i bid for josh because what's the worst case scenario if you if you keep going with josh and you get josh you get the best player in the league and it's not even close but for me you know i sort of just sat back and i had a, a lot of money left over i was able to get russ and able to get mike so i knew i had my two pitchers and you know it was easy for me i think to decide on Dave because it's been a while since I played with Dave and I knew that he would fit in great with this particular group and you know it's worked out really well because if you look at it I mean you're just trying to he does all the the little things really really well and I think that's been especially helpful with this team um, you know like one through four in the order were all tough outs one well, and realistically so playing you and having seen most of your games that this year uh, the difference maker and the stats would back this up is putting together a really, really solid defense. Every single lineup that you have, you have uh, Russ and Mike coming in as number one and number two pitchers as far as runs allowed. I think that speaks a lot to the team defense as well as their pitching ability. You know, you take a look at your batting stats. They are not where you expect them to be or hope that they would be. But I think that the defense and the experience you have, I mean, have you done the math on years played in the in the league at this point with this team? Uh, you know, Mike and Dave and Russ and you all have a decade of experience at least and of just a general knowledge of the game in such a way that I think aside, the one game I saw you lose, or at least one of them, um, basically you were throwing the ball around a little bit more and you didn't quite give, uh, I believe it was the storm chasers. You were, you basically played them shallow and they beat you a few times over your head. And aside from that, you learned your lesson and you played, I, I believe, you know, top level defense the rest of the season. Yeah. We really locked it in after that first series. And I think we, we sort of were talking about it after that particular series that we kind of each made, uh, an error in that series that kind of cost us. So really from that point on, we, we totally buckled down and, you know, made some really important improvements. I think, you know, since that series or since the last game of that series, I believe we're six and one in our last seven games. So definitely have made some important adjustments and yeah, it's a veteran group. It's, it's fun because, you know, we don't get too high. We don't get too low because we know that, the way that this game is and anything can happen. So yeah, it's just been a really, really fun to, to play with these guys this year. So going in, not standings order, but bouncing around because of an interesting thing that I just figured out by looking at the stats, the lug nuts and the storm chasers, right? Your one seed and your four seed are bottom two in average by quite a bit. 
Uh, Lug Nuts hitting 262 as a team. Storm Chasers hitting 250 as a team. Both teams had five extra base. No, sorry. Uh, Lug Nuts only had five extra base hits all year. That's that's it. You had three doubles and two home runs, no triples. While these Storm Chasers had four doubles, two triples, and a home run. So you look at the team's run production, uh, the amazing formula of Bill James' run created, all of it is very, very low. And that's one team that won two series, another that is now in the one seed. It is a very confusing season, if nothing else. But looking at the Storm Chasers, um, you know, what they what they don't have that you do is some of that individual pitching that has really shined. And again, I'm not sure if it's the defense that you can speak to or if it's the pitching, but you look at both uh, Paul and Brandon at being in between 3.6 to four runs per game. And, you know, those are guys that we maybe expect to be a little bit lower. So, you know, Mike, as you look at that storm chasers team, having faced them and, and beat them, uh, or not, sorry, lost two out of three to them early in the season. You know who stands out to you from that team as being your matchup foe? Not to get too into the preview, but what did you see from them this year? Um, and, and who kind of who stands out to you from that team that is that is dangerous or had a great year? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they have Brandon, who's you know a great pitcher. I know Justin struggles against him. I, actually, I mean, how we all struggle against him if you look at our. Uh, stats and then you got you know with brandon you got dustin they just you know they don't have a lot i guess they don't have a lot of according to the stats you know great you know they didn't hit great this year but i i feel like they just you know single you to death they just you know they hit enough they make you make plays and you know they made us made make us play they made us make plays that we just didn't make this year so you know that's what you need to do i mean um, yeah, the so, pressure I they mean, put yeah. on a defense. I think you know Brandon, uh, Dustin, and Brian are all aggressive on the base paths. They want to force you to make that play. They're going to hit a lot of balls on the ground or in areas where you might not have a defender, where you may have to make a a more aggressive play than you thought, or maybe you want to play in to take away that you know that in between hit, and then that you know Dustin beats you over your head uh, and ends up on third. They're uh, it's a really it's a strange team to get a handle on. Um, and it's no surprise to me that they did end up winning two series this year against both of our teams, uh, just because they can get that string of hits together in an inning. And it seems like there's no end that everyone can pepper line drives and singles, you know, in most parts of the field. So definitely, uh, they have the potential. I was surprised. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess out of the draft, I didn't think they would be, I thought they'd be the four seed. I think we all thought they'd be the four seed. But I didn't think it was going to happen quite like this. Yeah, it's Josh, strange. They they feel like the they feel like the fourth seed, or sorry, they they are the fourth seed, but they don't feel like it, right? Like they won their first two series, so they've literally gone from first place after two series to last place after three series. I mean, I know they were swept and they lost a tough game one to the Blue Rocks, uh, and then. You know, lost the remaining two games in that series, but uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think. I mean, they were they kind of surprised everybody with that start, but I certainly didn't uh, predict after that that they would then be the four seeds. It's kind of crazy how things rolled out. 
Yeah, they also have 11 walks on the season as a pitching staff. So I think putting a few extra runners on base. I know I know Brandon has had some struggles with walks in the past. I know a few a few innings that away from him this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, Mike, the numbers don't tell a great story. I mean, Dustin did put up a, a 366 batting average this year. Um, and on top of that, a, a, an 893 OPS, which is towards the top of the league. And it's starting to realize that, you know, Dustin is one of the top four, five, six hitters consistently in the league. And I think that's a, probably a bit of a surprise for at least especially for someone like me who, uh, you know, has always thought of himself as a, a plus hitter and realizing that more and more guys like Dustin who are able to make great contact spray the ball, hustle their asses off. They are they are a force offensively. Dustin, two triples this year. The rest of the league, zero. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I think you know, one of the surprises is a guy like Brian, who had, by, his, by all standards, a below-average offensive year. If he puts together you know, stats that are on par with his career stats, uh, I could see this outcome being much different, and I could see them having maybe not that four seed, but end up in a a two or even a one seed. Josh, any stats stand out to you when it comes to the storm teachers that you want to, you want to share? One of the stats that I, I just saw about the storm chasers was the amount of home runs that they gave up. So I believe that um, the captains gave up three home runs the blue rocks gave up two and the lug nuts gave up two so that's seven between those three teams and then the storm chasers gave up seven themselves so they gave up 50 percent of the home runs this season so one below I agree. The high watermark well yes the uh, the 2012 flying tigers gave up nine otherwise stone crabs eight uh, Legends 8, Blue Claws 8. If you're noticing a trend, I'm on all of those teams. That is baffling to me, but I'm, I was on the Blue Claws, the Legends, uh, the Stone Crabs, and the Flying Tigers, um, and now we have seven. So yeah, it's a pretty lofty number, especially in a park that we all admit seems to be a little more challenging to hit home runs in. Yeah, so uh, going back to our last podcast, which was the season preview podcast. I was listening to uh, Dave's Vegas plays, just trying to do a recap. And there were three Vegas plays, two of which were Dave's and those were uh, combined regular season and postseason. So we'll revisit those. But Laz, you came up with one, you set the line at 11 and a half for home runs this year. We were at 14. I believe Dustin and I said we were going to sail over that number. Dustin's reasoning being because he thought that Josh would start to hit a few more home runs, so he was certainly correct in that. We didn't sail over it as predicted, but uh, an increase in home runs from uh, year one at Finch, which I'm not, I'm not even sure we cracked uh, double figures on that one. So an increase uh, to 14 this year. We had 10 last year, so. Is that that's just regular season? Yeah, just regular season. Total home runs last year was 14. Interesting. So the next home run will that's hit this year will eclipse last year's 
high number at Finch Park. That was the record high so far. So one year sample size. So looking at some of the other teams uh, that were tied at four and five, uh, we'll pivot now to the Blue Rocks, a team that had a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season, highs and lows, uh, lost the opening series to the captains, then were able to sweep the Storm Chasers in the big, the big turning point in the season as far as the parity goes, but then unable to, over the course of two different dates in three games, grab a win against the Lugnuts and end up tied at the four and five, but winning the tiebreaker due to that sweep of the Storm Chasers. I know my experience with this team is basically they have, the, you know, the numbers would show it out in the game scores. They can they can go huge and they can kind of shrivel up. And, you know, Josh, when you look at that team, it was probably always going to be this way where you have yourself and Scotty, uh, of course, uh, one and two atop of the batting average this season. Um, you hitting 548 and Scotty hitting 537. That was always, I mean, I don't think we've, I'm not sure we've ever had the top two averages on the same team, or at least maybe if we have, it hasn't been by almost 100 points above the third-place hitter and almost 200 above the fourth-place hitter. So what a big difference in your top two hitters. But then it was always going to come down to what you can get from Steve and from Luke. And if they if they have an inning, or if you guys have an inning where those two put it together and put a few hits on the board – you're going to put up a ton of runs. We saw that towards the end of game one against the captains and definitely in game three, you're coming in at having whatever. Are you tied for the most runs in a regular season? Is that what I saw? Yes. So you put up a ton of runs, but you're also, you could be streaky uh, given your, your output in some of the games. So uh, Josh, as you look back on that season, you know, the, the regular season so far, what kind of stands out to you? Um, when it comes to the kind of Jekyll and Hyde nature of, of that team. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that we were capable of scoring 39 runs in, you well, know, if you look at it, 38 runs in six games. So I'm not sure, uh, you know, what happened offensively in our, our final series. Um, but I think knowing that we can put the ball in play and kind of keep the keep the line moving, so to speak, is what we're counting on. We're not anticipating shutting down teams and putting up a zero on the board when we're pitching. We're our goal is to outscore you. You know, we're gonna try to win a game six to four or five to three, something like that. We're not we're not anticipating being like the lug nuts and winning, you know, one to nothing or two to one games. So, and that, and that's not what we want to do. You know, if you look at the lug nuts, they scored, I believe like 14 runs or something in their, I'm not sure if it's across all games or if it was just in their first couple. Now the lug nuts uh, and some cases were tied for 24 runs a piece over their yep. nine games. Yeah. So in the, in the lug nuts first, Four or first six games, I think they 
every single one of those games is like a one run game. And I don't know if our team even played one one run game. <laughs> so I, I think we played, actually we did one against the storm chasers in that like uh, walk off situation, but we are not the type of team that's going to have lockdown pitching and we only need, you know, a one run cushion. We're, we're the opposite. We need like, you know, we're hoping to get a six run lead in the first and kind of hang on for dear life. So, yeah, that's uh, and that's probably one of, if not the first time in Whipple history that we have a team that is so offensively minded. I think a lot of the teams, you know, we're looking to grab a good pitcher, even two, play great defense. You know, you have the, a lot of seasons where runs are coming at a premium, uh, and it just seems to be like you're not going to be able to bash every team into submission. But this is, I mean, I think the drillers come to mind. That's the team that scored 38 runs in a season. The crosscutters thir- scored 39 in a season. Um, we, you know, we've had some in, in the 30s. The Tortugas put up 37. So it's not like it's not been done. Uh, the Emeralds even scored 35. But it does seem like, you know, your team with it being so top heavy, bottom heavy in the lineup. Uh, that if one of or both of those, uh, Steve or Luke, you know, get on base and to their credit against me in that game three, I might be in mild consideration for pitcher of the year if it wasn't game three against the uh, the Blue Rocks where you guys absolutely lit me up for, I think, 14 runs or something ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a scary team. It's one that I don't know how to defend. I'm curious, Mike, you uh, you had a different kind of feeling as I did after. Uh, we played them, and even though we took two of three, I was a little bit, I don't know, I was a little off kilter after playing them and, and was pretty confident that they were going to put it together. Um, what was your experience like playing them and kind of what, what what stood out to you uh, on the Blue Rocks? You know, I, <clears throat> I think our team is set up well against that team. We do have that strong pitching with Russ and our strong defense where – we can really limit, I think, the hits that, you know, Steve and Luke can get and then also get an out here or there on Josh and um, Scotty. So if you can do that, I think you can really, uh, you know, really, really limit, you know, the ways that they can beat you. And I, I think, you know, that's what we did. So, um, you know, I, I think we matched up really well against them because I think we do have enough hitting. And then kind of our, our really strong defense and pitching can really you know, kind of stifle that offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, and I think, I don't know if it's just, yeah, obviously Russ is, is historically a great pitcher and, and had a lot of success against, uh, against them in, in their most recent series. You know, what I'm seeing from Luke is a lot of really hard contact and a lot more than I was used to. And against me specifically, able to put the ball in a lot of places that we couldn't get to. Uh, did have a double this year. Stevie Andrews uh, will continue to struggle with staying back on the ball, uh, but still had another nine hits and a double this year. Uh, you know, that's not, you know, if you look at hits on the year, you know, Brandon had nine hits. Uh, Brian had uh, five hits. Kevin had nine hits. Russ only had eight hits. So it's not like it's been a, a a massive, you know, letdown where they go like over one for the entire season. They're putting the ball in play and making the defenses work. I get, I got a hunch that, um, you know, you look at Luke's probably his Babbitt. I'm guessing it's pretty good. 
um, just because of his high strikeout rate uh, and Steve Andrews as well. So, you know, Steve has six, Luke has 13 strikeouts. I'm guessing if you look at the batting average on balls in play, you know, you know Luke picks up 50 points on his batting average uh, while Steve picks up uh, about 40. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty indicative uh, stat to say, you know, put the ball in play and see what happens. And when that does, uh, a lot can happen for this team, especially when you look at the fact that Scotty Balser was the only guy in the league without a strikeout this year. He is a tough person to strike out. And when you start putting balls in play, uh, anything can happen. And that's why I see from that team is just the, the ability to put up a 10-run inning um, as much as an ability to, to strike out. Well, some of the team. Anything else on the Blue Rocks, um, generally as a team or, or individual player performances that you might have seen or, or can see in the stats? From anybody, Evan? Well, as you mentioned, strikeouts, and I'm just clicking around the stats file here. Uh, and, you know, that was a bit of a, an issue for the Blue Rocks. Um, you know, lower half of the lineup there. Luke had 13, and uh, Steve had six, but relatively uh, low numbers in the overall for the league. If you look at it, and I was just looking at, you know, what is what is about average for strikeouts? We had 56 this year uh, as a total league in the regular season, 53 last year, and 47 in 2019, 88. In 2018, is there any explanation for that? <laughs> I know we're going back four years, but it's just crazy to see the difference there. I mean, we're talking like 30 additional strikeouts. So I guess my point there is, were 89 you know, in 2016. Yeah, it's just crazy to to I'm I guess just collectively, like as a group, we're definitely getting better, right? Maybe like cutting back on the strikeouts just as a whole. I know that you know we've lost a couple of players since then. So I don't know if that's the explanation, but it's kind of cool to see that number staying steadily low as a group uh, over the course of the last three years. Yeah, I think walks are down a decent amount too. If you look at some of these stats, you know, 2018 also had 56 walks as a league. While we only had 32 this year, only 27 last year. I do want to call out um, probably because they get on base so damn much, but I will say, that uh, kudos to Luke, who is tied for fourth in RBIs on the season. Wow. Has more RBIs than Balser, more RBIs than you, Commissioner, uh, more RBIs than, than Russ, than Dave, and everybody. So only um, Josh, Schroeder, and myself were the only ones that had more than Luke this year. How, how many did Luke have? Seven RBIs. Oh, wow. uh, Dustin also had seven, and Carly actually had seven. <clears throat> How could Justin have a grand slam and a home <laughs> in the last series and not have yeah. seven RBIs? Right. I know I drove in five in the last two games of the year, so that's kind of interesting. It must have been a Did you have any in the first struggle. series? No, so I did. You didn't, you didn't have a hit series, in the first and series, I talked right? about that. Yeah, I think I had one hit, and then I... I, looking at the stats, because Josh just finished them up today, so it's kind of fun to to look at. I finished with 
Uh, let's see. Sorry, I'm still on 2018 here. I think it finished with like 15 hits. 14 hits. 14 11, hits. Yeah. 11 singles, a double, and two home runs. Yeah. So I had pretty solid uh, second and third series. So and one thing that we've talked about, and uh, Mike, I'd be curious to know uh, your thoughts on it. Just Russ's injury, kind of maybe the effect that that had on the season and how things have played out here. Um, you know, it was important, obviously, to get him at full health, but just being his teammate in that situation, I, mean, I know I felt really bad for him just not being able to, to move at all. So uh, just curious your thoughts on that. Um, you know, from a wiffle ball perspective, I was definitely scared because, I mean, I've had, I've had, you know, back pain and back injuries in the past as well, but mine were as painful and annoying as they were, you know, I could still run, I could still bend over, I would be in pain, but like that kind of pain that he seemed to have, you know, I've, I've never experienced that, or maybe I did a little bit, but I got, I got some injections pretty quick for that, that, that helped. So, um, I was, I was very worried about the season at that point. I, you know, I wasn't sure what we were going to do because I, I didn't think he'd get, 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 get better as quickly as he did. Um, you know, but what can I say? I mean, he's, he's a tough guy. He's, uh, he battled and, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident going forward that, you know, he's going to give us all, all he can. And we're going to be, we're going to be there till the end. Um, hopefully, you know, long-term he's going to be, he's going to be fine. So. Yeah. And I agree with you, like, because we stayed in touch just through our, team group chat and in the first few weeks I was kind of hoping he would come back at us and be like oh you know like things are much better it it didn't really seem that way so yeah I agree with you like I was getting a little bit nervous and we had a, a sizable break so it seemed like more than enough time for him to get back to near 100 percent I don't even think he's there right now and some of the feedback that we've gotten over the series but yeah I'm, I'm glad uh, he was able to get it together so we could finish up yeah, and it doesn't sound like after last series that, you know, he was he was in terrible pain afterwards. So, um, yeah, hopefully yeah. going forward things get better. Yeah, definitely promising. Mm-hmm. All right, we will uh, – well, we appreciate Russ's grinding it out. And, uh, yeah, it's good to hear that he is doing better. But we do have one more team – but and we have one more team to get to uh, as far as a re- kind of regular season reflection, which is my own team, the captains. Just kind of again browsing the stats and my own feelings of the season. I thought we had one of, if not the best team, going into the regular season after the draft. Uh, you know, it was a lot of very, very close games and hard fought games. A lot of one run games. It felt like uh, I don't know. I don't have the, the results of every game that we played. I know we had. Uh, some bad, some bad calls or some calls go against us in the series against the Storm Chasers. Not sure if that would have been a, a you know, a change in the outcome of that series, but definitely was a little unfortunate. Um, I think going into the season, we thought our pitching, our pitching would be the strength. Uh, Schroeder and myself have historically been uh, above average, if not quite good pitchers, and we just didn't have the same success that we've had in the past. You look at myself again. That one game maybe was the reason, but I'm towards a, I'm the second to last as far as runs allowed at six per game. 
Uh, and then Schroeder having a pretty good year, but still 3.43. I'm sure that's above or pretty close to above his uh, his career averages. So not the best pitching year for us, uh, but offensively, towards the top uh, historically, you know, a 333 batting average is really darn solid when it comes to historically. Uh, we're looking at that being somewhere around the 10th or 11th best uh, ever. Uh, since 2012, we put up 35 runs, which is also pretty close to, uh, that's actually tied for, it looks like sixth as far as most runs scored ever uh, since 2012. So offensively strong, uh, defensively, there are no stats to back this up, but feel like it was probably okay. And then pitching is really, you know, again, the strange thing that kind of let us down. So Four and five feels right, given that I felt like almost every game could have gone either way, minus one or two. Uh, a lot of really hard-fought games, especially that Lugnut series. I know, Justin, you were probably feeling the intensity of every one of those games where we had uh, serious playoff implications on the line. And I believe it was, what, two to one, three to two, and three to two were the three outcomes. Yes. Uh, and you, you take in two or three. So, you know, every one of those could have gone either way. Um, you know, I guess... It's easy for me to talk about my own team. Curious the other perspectives. You know, Mike, as you look at this team, um, you know, it, again, it was a hard-fought series, one-run games that were, you know, just grinding every one. It looked like, you know, basically our, our offense was only Schroeder for the first game and a half. Uh, but what stands out to you about this team as far as how they performed in the regular season? All right. I have two observations that <laughs> I made when I played you guys. Two main ones. Good team, well-balanced, but um, one is I look at your team and I think, slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's just what I see when I see your team. Also, I know I was gone last year, but when did Schroeder become such an insanely good hitter where he <laughs> can, like, just smash the ball? I mean, I don't it's remember it. I remember him hitting home runs, but I don't remember him, like, essentially in intimidating. I mean, I don't want to speak for Russ, but it almost seems like Russ is intimidated pitching to Schroeder now. And, and Schroeder's, like, has had a lot of success against, you know, the top hitters in the league. And, and I mean, I fear him as a, you know, a <laughs> defensive player. So, I mean, that's just, I, I don't know, maybe I've just missed it. I'm, I'm not sure but he just seems to be an absolute beast hitting. And when you have somebody like that, you know, and like Josh, I mean, you can win, you know, any single game, any single series. I mean, that power is so valuable where, you know, one swing can change, um, you know, the outcome of, of a game in a series. And, and you're definitely a scary team, I think, uh, in my opinion, just because, you know, you have, have people who can get on base and then you have, have Schroeder who can who can drive him in so um and you know you don't have to be very fast when you're you know trotting around the bases uh <laughs> after our home runs so yeah we are I would not describe the the captains the same way I described the storm chasers as far as um <laughs> pressure on the bases and speed all around that is not how what we I would characterize our team uh, yeah the team construction this year has been really interesting I think like the yeah. team dynamics, you know, like yeah, it's like, talking about this and sort of, you know, fleshing it out here. It's, it's 
that's an interesting point that Mike brings up that I haven't really considered too much. And like we're talking about kind of the scrappiness of the storm chasers and kind of the all or nothing of the blue rocks, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool the way that uh, the teams were formed this year. If you were playing uh, the ice hockey Nintendo game, I know what, uh, what shape we would be. Um, or if you're playing Mario Kart, I know uh, we'd be the Bowsers and the DKs and the Warriors. <laughs> What's interesting to note about the captains is they gave up the most hits ever in the regular season since we started recording with 64 hits. And when you look at Laz and Schroeder, two guys that are, you know, considered two of the top four pitchers in the league kind of year in and year out, it's it's surprising that they gave up the third most runs ever in the regular season and the most hits ever in the regular season. And Mike, what you were saying might be attributed to this in terms of if they are slow and they can't get to the ball, then it is a hit. So perhaps their um, inability to get the ball quickly and get somebody out, it, it has resulted in 64 hits and 39 runs against. And but with that being said, you know, still competitive and every series could have very easily, you know, been in first place. So, I mean, just it just really shows how how equal, you know, all these teams are. Oh, yeah. You would think that some some team given up, you know, the most hits ever and third most runs ever would be one and eight, two and seven and not, you know, the third seed at four and five. And you know, a couple plays away from maybe five and four or six and three. Well, hey, the the good news is the team that gave up the most runs ever in a regular season went on to win the Wiffle Series. So maybe there's some precedent for us. Ooh. That was the Smokies in 2017. Yeah, but just a quick batting average scan here for the captains. Some really good numbers. Shorter at 447. Laz at 340. Carly breaking 300 again, uh, two years in a row, 302. And Kevin, I know he's had a little bit of shoulder discomfort, I guess we'll call it, uh, throughout the year here. It's still a really respectable 243. So they can hit the ball, that's for damn sure. Can we get yeah. a quick uh, uh, stat update on just like the war, like top top couple players in war this year? Uh, we don't have combined war. We only have offensive and defensive. Uh, but for offensive war, uh, and again, we have multiple, but just offensive war, Josh is at four. Uh, Schroeder is at 3.2. Scotty Balser is 3.1. And then the drop-off, JF, 1.6. Dustin, 1.45. I'm at 1.27. And then it drops to 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5, 0. yeah, down from there. Okay, so what you'd expect, essentially. Right. Uh, so I know that we have to get you out of here, Mike, and you won't necessarily be able to talk through both individual matchups of the playoffs, but uh, I wanted to get your quick opinion before you go uh, be a dad and, and continue the rest of your night. So what do you think, uh, quick predictions as far as the upcoming semifinals and, uh, and then who will be hoisting the trophy in uh, a few weeks? All right, well, I think the Lugnuts will be hosting <laughs> the trophy. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> rem- 
Remind me the names of the the two te- other two teams in the semifinals. <laughs> All right, so you, the, so you're playing the Storm Chasers. You think you're going to take care of business against them again, or uh, not again? You have, I mean, so you're so you you yeah. lost two or three to the Storm Chasers, but you're not phased by that, uh, no. and you'll be able to take the next two. The other two teams are the Blue Rocks and the Captains. Okay. Josh is the Blue Rocks, or Scotty's Scotty's team is the Blue Rocks, while my team is the Captains. If I was a betting man, and I You am, definitely are a betting man, Mike. What do you mean? I think I would take... I think I would take the captains there, just because I think they're a little more balanced. And I think in a playoff series, that's probably what you want. And they have a little more depth in terms of pitching. And I think you know that's going to play a key role in that. And I definitely think it's going to go... Um, Three game, three games, yeah. I like uh, how you were so, generous and you said that they have a little more balance and a depth and a little <laughs> more pitching, <laughs> just a little. Okay, well they have a lot more pitching <laughs> and a little more depth. I I think it's I think it's fair to say they have they have a little more depth. But yeah, you know I I think yeah I think it's going to be a battle between you know who who hits more. Does Josh hit more? the Schroeder hit more. I mean, I think that's going to be, you know, big, big part of it. So, I mean, home runs are, are so valuable. So in this league, so we'll see, it'll be interesting, but I think I would, I would take, I, I think I would expect to see the captains against the lug nuts and the, so captains in the in three, series. and, uh, and then you're calling your own shot. So, the other three teams, if you're listening, that's bulletin board material. Mike has claimed that this is already over and the lug nuts are crown champions. So let's go take it away from them. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you for having me on uh, tonight. This was fun. Thank you, Mike. Uh, see you on the field and uh, good luck. All right. You too. It's good to- So that was Mike Satry, who had to take off, but don't want to cut short the preview for what is coming up in uh, in only a few short days. So the opening series of Sunday is 10 a.m., and that'll be the Storm Chasers uh, facing the Lugnuts. Lugnuts will be hosting them as the home team uh, and will have to only win two games while the Storm Chasers will have to win three. So... Regular season, Justin, you you lose two of three to the Storm Chasers to start the season, an an, uh, an outcome that I think most of us are pretty surprised by. What will you have to do differently when it comes to the playoffs compared to what you did in that opening series of the season? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I think it was the defense that uh, kind of did us in in that particular series. Uh, kind of each made a critical error at some point, kind of let them uh, take a lead or kept them in the game. Because uh, if I remember correctly, I'm not even sure if we, we led at any point in either one of the first two games. And we won game three, uh, obviously. But uh, yeah, kind of just shot ourselves in the foot. So we've 
seem to have made some corrections. I think we've sort of been uh, a little more cohesive as a group in spending just more time with each other, communicating better, uh, just kind of having a, a, a similar approach to uh, our games and our offense, our defense, our pitching, everything. Uh, we've sort of talked through things really well. So, uh, and that's come a long way, honestly, since May. So that's just how I feel right now. I feel very confident in this group. Obviously, we have the advantage of uh, only winning, having to win two games as opposed to the Storm Chasers having to win three. Uh, so that certainly helps. But yeah, I think I just feel like it, it seems strange if we're talking like three series here, but like we've we've grown as a team in my eyes considerably since whatever it was May 16th. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll have uh, Brandon's winning attitude coming into this series like he had last year in the playoffs, knowing he's the four seed. But uh, curious, uh, Josh, taking a look at the Storm Chasers, again, a team that won two of three against the Lugnuts already, that had a lot of confidence after their first two series of the year coming out of those two games, four and two, and then your team kind of hitting them on the chin and really derailing their bid at a, you know, a top seed. So what do you think, do you think they need to make an adjustment uh, as they approach this series or can they bank on what has gotten them there, which is, you know, pesky hitting aggressive base running consistent defense and kind of being a well-balanced team. I think they just stick to kind of what got them there. And I think the, the type of pesky hitting, like you mentioned, that maybe didn't work so well against our team uh, could still be something that is effective for them going forward. Um, I know that Dustin does a great job of hitting the ball to the opposite field. So it'll be interesting to see where Dave Leap is going to play when Dustin is batting. Is Dave Leap going to try to take away the bunt and potentially risk, you know, a, a Dustin Eckert going over the top of him and, you know, creating another one of those triples uh, to add to his count this year? Or is Dave going to be conservative and, keep the ball in front of him and almost give Dustin potentially that bunt or that little, that little squibber, if you will, down the first baseline. And I, I think the storm chasers more than most teams that we've seen have shown the propensity to to bunt. I believe Boyson has tried bunting for them this year. I know that Dustin and Paul have, so that's one way to potentially minimize the impact of great defense, uh, particularly in the outfield that you may be seeing from a lug nuts team. And if those bunts are going 22, 23 feet just on the other side of the arc, it could make for uh, difficult defending as it would for any team to defend a bunt that, you know, kind of goes that perfect distance. But if those bunts are going 19 feet, they're all just going to be outs. So it's really kind of a razor's edge situation, I think, where if everything goes right for their game plan, they could put the pressure on the lug nuts early. And as we've seen, the lug nuts 
do a great job of giving up very few runs and scoring runs kind of when they need to score them. They don't, they're not the team that's going to score 10 runs a game and give up none. And then the next game come back and lose one to nothing. They're kind of the team that if they need to score two to win two to one, they've been doing it. If they need to score three to win three to two, they've been doing it. So it's almost like they're saving their ammunition for when they need it. And if you don't need it in the playoffs, when do you need it? So I I wouldn't be surprised if I saw some batters struggle against Russ because Russ is an excellent pitcher. But I also wouldn't be surprised if I saw some of those storm chasers kind of throwing in some bunts to try to keep those guys on their toes. And then you might be able to see a, a Brian Boyson or a Dustin Eckert rip to the uh, to the right field fence. Uh, I know they both did it against us, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that's not in their game plan, trying to hit the ball. Obviously, where no one's playing, that's uh, kind of the name of the game. Yeah, and just taking a look at their, just trying to browse on some of these stats again. Uh, you know, you have a situation where the, where did I just find? Team. Uh, is this the? The team. Sorry. I'm looking at stats. I got confused. Um, no, what I'm seeing is that standings-wise, I mean, this is the most wins that a four seed has ever had. Um, previously, it was only three. So, I guess last question on this series: uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot to be played out. You know, what something I, I noticed? So, Storm Chasers um, had a run differential of minus ten this season, uh, which is usually good enough for somewhere around more like a three seed as opposed to a four seed. But either way, Justin is, I know it's your team that you're facing. So I, I don't want it to be a jaded question. Do you think this is the best chance a four seed has ever had to potentially flip the script on the one seed? Yeah. You actually took the words out of my mouth before you started that question. Uh, that's, I wanted to chime in at some point and say, if this, if there's ever going to be a year, <laughs> where four seed has a real shot and that's not diminishing my team at all it's this year you know it just seems like uh the parody has been really strong this season and like we talked about earlier this kind of uh the composition of some of these teams are unique and everyone could have strengths on one day and weaknesses uh on another day and that can be enough to cost them. So it's, I think, going to be a really interesting semifinals and wiffle series for that matter, because it's really up in the air, honestly. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not just saying that uh, as, you know, having the advantage of the one seed, I certainly feel uh, pretty good about it and confident. But uh, yeah, again, if there's ever going to be a year, I think we're in it. So just a quick question for both of you, actually, and before we move on to the next series, uh, despite the fact this is a flashback question, looking back at 2016, the Storm finished the year six and three, and had a run differential of plus one, while the four seed was the Rough Riders at three and six, and had a run differential of just minus eight. Um, I'm not remembering exactly how that season or that series went. Can you speak to your thoughts going into that series compared to to the one coming up this weekend? So interesting 
the rule that was the final year of the fourth seed being eliminated from playoff contention. So that series never had a chance to be played. And then we made the change in 2017. And that's an interesting year because you had an eight and one Tortuga team. And I think maybe a two and seven yard goats team. And they actually won a game in that series, forcing a game three. And I believe still to date, that's the only game three in that particular one versus four series. Okay. I memory so. did not do me well on that one. But yeah, so that's <laughs> 2016 is the only other regular season that I think is probably comparable, and we never even saw that happen. So uh, I'm excited, and thank you um, for the correction. We're actually 11 a.m. On, uh, on Sunday as the start time for that semifinal. I would have been there very early uh, had I not been corrected on that. So that's very good. Um, and I guess all it means is I miss a little bit of the Bears getting crushed by Cincinnati. So uh, any other final thoughts on this uh, Storm Chasers versus Lugnuts uh, semifinal series? Let's get a prediction from Josh. Come on, Josh. What are you thinking? I mean, if I had to throw something out there, my guess would be Lugnuts win 2-0 because one thing that happens at least to me in the playoffs, there's a little bit more pressure, a little bit more stress uh, with kind of every at-bat. And with every at-bat that you don't get a hit or every inning that you don't score a run, it kind of compiles and compounds. And as a one seed, when you know you have that buffer of not necessarily having to win the first game, you can play a little bit easier. So although the Storm Chasers may be one of the more capable four seeds that we've had, if not the most capable four seed that we've ever had. There's a lot to be said about being able to play a little bit freer, a little bit looser as the one seed. And it's there's just so much pressure on the four, the four seed that unless they get off to a great start and say score two or three runs in the top of the first, I think that that finish line of potentially being the end of game two just draws ever nearer with every inning that they play and every inning that they score one or zero runs. And with Russ on the mound, I would assume, you know, games one and two first eight innings, uh, it's a tall task and I would put money on two O as much as I would love to see, you know, the four seed win, but I got to be realistic. So. I really want to predict it goes to game four. I I don't think, I mean, game three in the Wiffle series is obviously the crowning, ju- the crown jewel of excitement in our Wiffle league. But I think a game four in the one versus four matchup might, might rival it, if not be better. I don't have it in me to, to predict that, but I do think that the Storm Chasers will get one of the first two. Um, and I think this is going to push to a game three. I think the mindset of the Storm Chasers has to just be that first win is just one. Uh, then, it, then it becomes a three-game series. It's almost like a play-in play game in a way. Uh, and you just have to erase it from your memory. Don't think we have to win three out of four, just win one, uh, and then and see what happens after that. But I think that they will get one, uh, probably the first one, actually, uh, before the lug nuts settle down and, and then take off in game three. 
So the second semifinal of the day on Sunday is going to be the Blue Rocks and the Captains playing at 3 p.m. Uh, it won't be anywhere near as hot, which is great for Schroeder. Uh, it's going to be toasty out there for those who are coming to watch or play, so be prepared for that. But the regular season matchup from this series was kind of all over the place. Uh, we had the captains get out to a pretty big lead in game one, only for the final to end up being uh, seven to three. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong series. Um, where is it? Captains and Blue Rocks is somewhere in here. So seven to five uh, was the final of that game. So late run by the Blue Rocks fell a little short but a lot of runs early from the captains. Game two, captains win 4-3, and then game three was the blowout uh, 14-6. Kind of hard to get a read on any of those games being indicative, but to your point, Josh, you're looking to win slugfests. You you put up uh, 24 runs in that series. I don't know if I have any stats to back up whether that's the most in a single series, but it might be. Uh, might very well be. So you're looking to continue to bludgeon the scoreboard uh, while we put up 16 runs in that series. So I don't have a good pulse on this as a player in the in the series, as a viewer of the previous series, uh, as a spectator, whatever it is, I don't have a great feel for how this will go. Uh, I know that, it, I, I, I like Mike said, I think if it goes to a game three, that's where I would give, well, depending on what pitchers you use when, I guess. Um, you know, I think that we will have our window uh, when Josh is not pitching. Uh, I just don't know when that will be and if we can take advantage. We basically have to get one against Josh of these two uh, for it to, to come out the way we want it to come out on the captain's side. Josh, do you have a similar kind of, I'm not sure if it's an uneasy feeling or just a, an inability to truly comprehend where this might go as you look at, again, both the the results of the first series, as well as trying to forecast what's coming up? No, I don't think that I, you know, have a a strong feeling either way, really. When you mentioned, you know, our team's going to try to win a slugfest, that's pretty much how I approach pretty much any Wiffle series, because... (laughs) If I'm pitching or my team is pitching, it's obviously much easier to be pitching when you have a two, three, four run lead. So I always want to score a ton of runs. And in the event that my team is unable to score a ton of runs, but we have great pitching, it's not as important. But I think in our case this season, scoring runs early and often is very important. If you look at the four games that we won this year I'm not looking at them but I would guess that outside of our comeback against the storm chasers in the first game we scored a number of runs early and when you do that you become a little bit more comfortable there's not as much pressure and you get the opportunity to win and only have to bat uh, let's say three times if you're the home team so going into the series I will, as normal, be trying to score runs as early and as often as possible and, you know, giving a little bit of a cushion to either myself or whoever else is pitching on our team because it's a lot easier to 
to throw balls at that strike zone. If you know, if this one goes over the fence, you know, we're still winning by four runs. So. Yeah. And again, I think this goes back to analyzing a little bit of the stats and how, how the regular season went for the blue rocks captains output seven, four and six pretty consistent blue rocks go five, three, 14. If you look at the game with five, you got uh, one hit a piece from Steve and Luke. If you look at the three, you got no hits from Steve and Luke. And if you look at the 14, you got uh, Luke and Steve combined for four hits off of me. And Steve got one more off of Schroeder. So five hits. So it's almost a direct correlation number of hits from Steve and Luke to the increase in runs uh, and the output. And it's not to say that Josh, you and, and Scotty's role are diminished, but the expectation is you're both going to get on pretty much every other at bat throughout the entire series uh, based on your stats. So where does the, the, the tur- turning point happen? And if it's, you string several of those together, it's going to be a really long inning. And again, I experienced that uh, as bad as anyone else did. A conversation that I've had with my team is strikeouts when you have guys on base are killer. And when you can at least put the ball in play and move runners and potentially get people home, even on outs, it's obviously a lot more beneficial. So like you were saying, Luke has what the fourth most RBIs in the, in the league this year. And that is directly correlated to the number of times that he's been able to put the ball in play both to get hits, but as well as put the ball in play when he's got people on base in front of him. And yeah, that's obviously outs. our goal. We, we want sure. to have myself and Scotty and Steve Andrews on base when Luke's batting and myself and Scotty and Luke on base when Steve Andrews is batting. And when you have the bases loaded or a couple guys on base, every single millisecond that that ball is in play and the defense doesn't have it in the pitcher circle, anything can happen. And we want to create that chaos and potentially get those runs scored. And we got to do that by getting the ball in play. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's also, again, it's productive outs. Obviously, a strikeout's the least productive out you can have. Pop-ups to the pitcher, uh, ground balls to the pitcher, and uh, sometimes even ground balls to third base. You know, if you can get balls in positions where guys have to make, you know, stretching defense plays, you have a chance to tag or just move on a ground ball. Anytime you can get to a new station, you know, if you're on second with two outs as opposed to first with two outs, and then somebody else can get a hit, you're scoring. Uh, and that's the difference in the game, or it could be the difference in a game. Uh, I think that's a huge, a huge point to highlight. Justin, you played both these teams. Uh, you were able to take five out of six uh, from these two teams. When you look at the maybe one, uh, either strength or weakness, weak, strength or weakness that stands out to you from each team, what comes to mind uh, as you kind of look at the series before you predict what, what might happen? Yeah, the wiffle geek in me is really looking forward to this series. Uh, the first series on opening day was very fun to watch, a lot of action. I don't think that Sunday's series is going to be any different. Uh, looking at the Blue Rocks, yeah, their, their strength is with the two big boppers there, uh, Josh and Scotty. 
that's going to be their path to winning and kind of getting those complimentary hits uh, like we talked about from Steve and Luke and putting the ball in play and scoring those guys. Uh, you know, that's going to be the key. And, and really for them defense, I felt like in the series that we played, they kind of uh, hurt themselves. And that was all, all four of them, or maybe with the exception of, of Steve Andrews played some, you know, fairly solid defense, wasn't involved too much defensively, but uh, you know, even Josh had a couple of, of uh, miscues in that particular series that kind of uh, snowballed a little bit with them. So yeah, maybe tighten up the defense. Um, but obviously they got a lot of offensive firepower and uh, yeah, the, the, it goes to a game three and I don't know what their plan is when they're going to pitch Scotty. And I, there was some improvement with him. Um, but you know, that is kind of just a question mark. He doesn't, or they have the experience. He's kind of learning on the job a little bit. And uh, we knew that was a weakness after the draft is that, that second pitcher for them. So uh, as far as the captains, I felt like top to bottom in the, the lineup, every, every single player is a tough out. And the genesis of this team, the construction of it, was based on two really, really strong pitchers. And for whatever reason, I can't explain it, Schroeder and Laz, uh, struggled a little bit this year, um, but they've sort of found themselves the last couple of years in the postseason. So I personally, you know, my prediction would be that the captains will win the series, and I, I base it on that, those two guys and getting some complimentary hitting. Because um, we know, you know, Schroeder, we, we joke about all the time, he's a postseason guy, bulldog, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's going to change, and Laz has been very successful, you know, especially – 2018, 2020 in the postseason uh, on the mound. So, yeah, that would just be my my thought uh, for them, for the captains. Uh, you're asking for strengths and weaknesses. I think for the captains, we talked about just defense. I mean, I think our strategy was put the ball in play, put the pressure on them. Um, and, you know, again, a couple of miscues and some fortunate bounces for us, and we happen to win the series. So, yeah, that's that's my full breakdown of this series. But, uh, to bring it full circle, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, a fun series. It just feels like it's going to be tight. It just does, and I, I I think for who's ever planning to sit down and watch it, it on at three o'clock on Sundays, in for a treat. Should be good. Yeah, I think looking, you know, the going in even deeper into the stats. Um, looking at hitter and pitcher combinations uh, on the stat sheet, it gets it gets a little bit hairy for the captains, and there should be a little bit of uh, fear, I think, going into this series. Uh, not that I'm not confident and hopeful of my team, teammates listening, don't be worried. But looking at the matchups, it's an interesting breakdown. And uh, last thing on this series for me is, you know, I, I mentioned if we can get to either Scotty or Steve Andrews in that game three or whatever they do pitch, that will probably have the advantage. That probably is the case, but the stats don't back it up, and it's really interesting. If you look at Steve Andrews as a pitcher and you look at our team hitting against him, um, my average is 250 against Steve, which is right around my career average, if not a little below and shockingly, Schroeder's career average against Steve Andrews is 222. 
in 45 plate appearances, uh, well below his career average. Uh, and then you look at our batting against Josh, uh, that gets a little better for Schroeder hitting 366 off of Josh, uh, while I am only hitting 217. So if you look at all of the matchups that we could possibly have, the numbers go a bit against us, uh, especially when you flip it to Schroeder pitching. And I know he only has one uh, season so far against Scotty Balser because he played with him the first two years in the league. But as of right now, Scotty Balser has seven hits in nine appearances against Schroeder with an intentional walk. He is hitting 778 against Steve, uh, while Josh is hitting a comfortable 400 off of Schroeder. And then going off of me, Josh is hitting 440, and Balser is hitting uh, 386, so a little bit below his uh, recent output. So just looking at the matchups, pitcher to hitter and hitter to pitcher, vice versa, the numbers do kind of stack towards... uh, towards the Blue Rocks. So it'll be, again, a very interesting series. I don't have a great pulse on it. I'm not even going to make a prediction on what I think is going to happen. Uh, I just know it's going to be an exciting thing to be a part of. Any final thoughts from you, Josh? Nope. I'm just ready to play. Can't wait. I hope it's uh, 180 degrees because I know Schroeder loves the heat. It'll be toasty out there for sure. All right, that does it for the uh, preview of the upcoming semifinal series. Stay tuned for coming attractions. All right, if you have been listening to any part of this podcast, you should be well-informed what is upcoming on our docket. We have the Whiffle Series semifinals all in one day. What an exciting time to be part of the Whiffle League. Sunday coming up on September 19th, we have at 11 a.m. the number one seed Lugnuts hosting the number four seed Storm Chasers. Again, first pitch at 11 a.m. There'll be a short break for lunch to catch a little football and grab a bite. And then we're right back on the field at 3 p.m. for the two-seed Blue Rocks to host the three-seed Captains. The winners will face off in some sort of championship series. I think it's called the Whiffle Series. That will be taking place, hopefully, uh, while the weather is still nice in either late September or early October. And we will have one more of these. Uh, It'll be episode 37 of the Wiffle League podcast coming up as a Wiffle series preview uh, sometime in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. We did have a chance from Mike uh, before he had to take off to get his final thoughts or his biggest takeaway from tonight. But my guess is uh, if I had to kind of insert myself into his mind, 
his biggest takeaway is that the Lugnuts are the best team and that no one's going to come close to them. So, again, bulletin board material for Mike's quote and his biggest takeaway before we go around the horn and get one from everyone else on this call. We'll start with the person who was so kind and put in all the hard work to make these stats available to us. Josh, what do you have as your biggest takeaway from tonight's podcast? My biggest takeaway is that everybody believes the Storm Chasers have the uh, the best chance of anybody to to make some noise in that one versus four series, and I hope it I hope it's true because that would just be exciting. It's been kind of a snoozer uh, ever since we we put it in. So uh, any way we can inject some excitement into the one versus four matchup is good by me. All right. And speaking of that one versus four matchup, captain of the one seed, Justin, what was your takeaway from tonight? Yeah, my biggest takeaway from tonight's podcast was that Mike Satry was the guest. I mean, it was a lot of fun having him on and uh, not to get too sappy or sentimental, but it's just been great having Mike uh, back in the league. I know, you know, he put in about a half season last year, took a little break from it. Um, just being his teammate and uh, yeah, just, you know, talking wiffle with him throughout the year has been a blast. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's been kind of a difficult thing for him to always, you know, be physically ready or set up some other things going on, you know, in his personal life. But uh, that's my number one takeaway that, you know, he was cool with coming on here and he's having fun with it. And, you know, I just love having him part of the league. So it's it's been fun. All right. It has been uh, a long time, long time member. Unfortunately, uh, for the for the reason of the records, uh, uh, Justin Florido, Dave Leap and myself are the only ones original members who have played in all regular season series. Um, Mike, that short break ruined it for him, but it is a delight to have him back. Uh, and my biggest takeaway is that the captains are record setters. We have broken the record for most hits allowed in a season <laughs> at 64. Uh, I mentioned that we were um, the most runs allowed in the season were the Smokies, who actually won the Wiffle Series. And I'll point this one more thing out uh, as a final note. The record that we broke was from the 2014 team that gave up 62 hits, another Wiffle Series champion, the Crosscutters. So apparently regular season runs or hits don't actually matter. All it matters is getting hot in the playoffs, and I think we're bound to do that. So that's my takeaway. Thank you all for joining us tonight, for listening, or whatever you happen to be listening to this. Um, On behalf of Josh and Justin and our guest tonight, Mike Satry, We wish you all good luck in the upcoming Wiffle Series, or at least to have fun watching when you're not playing. For any fans who are listening, I think there's none of them. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you out there on Sunday, and we will hopefully be in store for a great day of Wiffle, great weather, great uh, fun for the whole family, and looking forward to, to getting that wrapped up. So thank you all again. Uh, And signing off, your host, Chris Lazzarini, on episode 36 of the Wiffle League podcast.